an incredible moment to see them get the Word of God in their own language and so much effort that had gone into that. So, speaking of the Word of God, if you need a copy of it, slip your hand up, Jim or Chad will be glad to give you one. You can turn to the book of Genesis. It's easy to find. You go to the table of contents and it's the next book. An oldie but a goodie. All right. Genesis. Now I think about Matt and Star and and I met them 20, 25 years ago, maybe longer. Their parents used to attend the Bartley campus uh, when he was here working. He's passed away now and John has the dad. And that's how I met them. They just came to visit their parents and I met them and Eventually, you know, got to know them well, and they've just kind of become heroes for me and Chris and Chad and others. When you get to know them and realize what a sharp young couple they are, now they, uh, Chad looks like Moses now. He's gotten a little, uh, gotten a little white in his hair and, and his beard. That's why I don't have one. So, but to see them when we met them so young and sharp and yet so committed in their lives, they could have done anything uh, been very wealthy, but they committed their lives to to going to a place that's dangerous. Uh, talking about the drug cartels in that area, but also it's very dangerous for Star on a physical level, her health problems that she has to the point they've had to go back to Missouri and work out of the, the headquarters. But their heart is always in Baborigami and with the Tepewan, and they light up when they talk about it. And um, you saw emotionally what it is for for Matt and. So let me say to you, before we get into scripture for today, it's really important that we hear from missionaries that we support, not because that's what churches do is support missionaries, but because we're partners with them, and they would, they would stand here and tell you the very same. We're partners with them in ministry. Every morning I get up early, a little earlier than Mary, and I go to the kitchen to make coffee and uh, and I, when I, first thing I see when I walk to my refrigerator are those two faces. There are others there, but they're right there on my desk, my palatial office here by the front door. Uh, I pray for them daily, as I ask you to do as well, as long as our other missionaries. But my gratitude on a weekend of Thanksgiving to you is we've been able to continually support them at a nominal, very uh, not nominal, at a, at a good level because of your faithful giving. Uh, without that, we, we could not do that. And so thank you. The fact that you give regularly from the money that the Lord brings to you, through you to use, you're very much a part of those people now having the New Testament in their hands to read in their own language, uh, a very difficult language to learn and to communicate and to translate they now have that, and we're a real part of it, and that, that, that's important. It's incredibly important. Okay, let me mention a couple of things to you, and then we're going to get it. Uh, I promise you we're not going to cover their outline today, which is not unusual for me. But we're going to begin to look at something that I think is kind of cool for the next few weeks. We finished the book of Acts. We'll be starting in January, something brand new, probably do the book of Acts. I, don't know, I hadn't, hadn't decided yet. <laughs> Praying about that. But what we're doing the next few weeks is look at Christmas from a perspective of the Lamb of God going all the way back to the Garden of Eden. We're going to start with there, start at the beginning, book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, 
and then take it to the advent of the, the Christ child and the significance of that in our lives even today. So a couple of things that I'll mention to you, and then we will get into Genesis. As you leave today, there's a couple of chances, again, in the, in the lobby for you to be part of doing something in the lives of others for the holidays. Uh, life choices. We've got our baby bottle set up there by my office. You take one of those bottles and just fill it up with change over the next holiday. Maybe something you share with your children, giving for someone else. Again, Life Choices is local, and it's one of the missionaries that we support. And you fill those bottles up and just leave them uh, on my desk, and I'll take them to the Bartlett campus, and they will get to Life Choices. And there's also, you'll find in the lobby, there's a list for Galloway, the church down here in uh, Galloway, that uh, again, somebody that we help support. And there's a list of what they want to do in their store. And if you, want, if you want to be part of that, like we did the angel tree last week, if you want to take a copy of that list and get some of those stuff and some of those things that are on the list, you can bring them here, get them to Debbie Brousseau, and we'll get them to the church in Galloway. All right, if you would, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 3. So if you'll turn there, and then we're going to get over in Genesis 22. But let's start in Genesis 3. Again, as I was praying about what I thought God might want us to do for the holidays as we finished the book of Acts and just looking at going into a season where we celebrate the birth of the Christ child. And it's already everywhere, both music and advertisements and stores and everybody celebrates Christmas. We talk about it every year. What I want us to focus on for the next few weeks for us is the understanding that the birth of the Christ child, Christmas, what we celebrate as believers in Jesus Christ, was an eternal plan of God for our personal redemption. That the baby in the manger, and I think the manger, which is a feed trough, the shepherds, all of that, We'll see for a number of reasons, but I think one of the primary reasons, symbolically and metaphorically, God had a manger, a feed trough involved, and shepherds involved, is that it's about a lamb. They were in the fields tending their flocks of what? Sheep. Sheep have lambs, last time I checked. That's what they were doing. And the night, and the most significant moment in the history of humanity to that point in time, when the Christ child, when Emmanuel, we sang about it today, when God entered space and time as a man, as a human being, Emmanuel, God with us, and God's announcement, and we're going to see progressively as we walk through this, God's announcement was made on that night to a group of people, shepherds, who were outcasts from the religious community because of what they did for a living. Because they couldn't go to temple and they couldn't be ceremonially clean. They could not show up and make their sacrifices. They literally are the ones that God announces to the final and ultimate sacrifice has come. And it shows grace. It shows God working his plan. How everything was part of the mind of God. And at a moment in time, Galatians 4, 4 says, he was born under the law, born of a woman at a moment in time that the seed came. Well, who's the seed? Look at Genesis 3.15. This is the moment of original sin in the Garden of Eden. 
You know the story, Adam and Eve have chosen to not trust God, not love God, and to give in and to Satan's half-truths, twisting of truth, and they've chosen to disobey, and they've chosen sin over God. So look at Genesis 3.15. The Lord says to Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, capital He, the seed of the woman, shall bruise your head, Satan, and you will bruise his heel. We don't have to go into great theological dissertation on this, but you understand the import of what's being said here. At the moment of original sin, God is providing atonement for the sin of Adam and Eve. A blood sacrifice has to take place. Animals had to die so God get their skins and cover, Hebrew word means atone, for the sin of Adam and Eve. It's a picture of what the seed is going to do. The seed, the promised seed in Genesis 3.15, at the moment of original sin and God providing atonement, God says there is a time coming historically at a moment in time when the seed of the woman is going to come and he's going to crush Satan. He's going to conquer sin and death, which sin brought. Satan will be defeated eternally. And Galatians 4 tells us that seed was Jesus the Christ. And that God preached the gospel to Abraham. We're about to look at that. And what the Lord was saying here at this moment is, I have a plan. And the message of scripture is this. God sent a redeemer. We know him as Jesus of Nazareth, who is the Christ the Messiah, the Savior, the Anointed One. We celebrate at Christmas the coming of the Christ child. But I want you to look at the top of your handout and let's focus on the next couple of weeks that the Christ child that we celebrate at Christmas, Mary's baby, was 100% God, 100% man, Emmanuel, God with us, we will see later the lion of the tribe of Judah. All of those things tied together in God's specific plan to redeem mankind. Israel being the conduit through which God would bring this Messiah. And all of it is focused on a lamb. That Jesus of Nazareth was the Passover lamb. The ultimate the final sacrifice, the one who fulfilled all that God laid out for Israel to picture him coming. That's why the entire book of Hebrews, one of the most powerful books in the whole Bible, the entire book of Hebrews is focused on the fact Christ is our superior high priest. We no longer need a temple on earth. We no longer need animal sacrifices. We no no longer need a man-made Levitical priesthood. We no longer need the blood of anything. We have the blood of the Son of God. We no longer need a temple because we are the temple. On and on and on. All of that ties together into God's plan to send the Lamb. So in Genesis 3.15, he says to Satan, I'm going to send that seed. Yes, you'll bruise his heel, the crucifixion. But he's going to crush your head at the resurrection. And sin and death will be conquered. And God did that. And this is the message that I want us to take away as we begin to look at this. The initial message and probably the most important. God did that because he loved you. For God so loved the world. What did he give? Everybody knows the verse. 
His, his what son? Only begotten son. We're going to look at that picture today. The idea of God's only begotten son, it, it, it means the unique one, the highest one, the unique son of God, son of man, son of God, God in the flesh coming to redeem mankind. That's why when the great announcement is made to the shepherds, it says, born to you in the city of David this day is a savior, Christ the Lord, the anointed one, the Messiah, God. He's born to you. He's come to you. So I want us to, to look at, in Genesis chapter 22, if you'll turn there, the first picture, this is really all we're going to look at today, of the Christmas lamb, is that what we celebrate at this amazing holiday is that God sent a substitute. The provision that he promised in Genesis 3.15 that he would do. One of the things I love about scripture is that when God says, I am going to do something, what do you know? He will do it. Many of them he has already done and fulfilled in Christ. Many he has yet to do. But what you do know is that he will do it. He says, I'm going to do something, I will do it. So Genesis 22 is a famous story, one that you know. It's a story of Abraham offering Isaac per the command of God as a burnt offering, a sacrifice, quote, your only son Isaac whom you love. That's what God says to him. I want you, Abraham, to take, quote, your only son Isaac. I sure hope you see the metaphorical and the typology in, in the picture here. Abraham's only son Isaac What did God give us at the cross? His only begotten son. It's a picture. Offer him as a burnt offering, a sacrifice. Burnt offerings were for sin. In this particular case, it's a picture. Jesus was offered, Scripture tells us, he who knew no sin, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he who knew no sin, God made, he who knew no sin, Jesus, to be sin for us, that we the human race, might become the righteousness of God in him because he's the sacrifice for sin. He is the substitute. You look at number one on your handout. He's the substitute. He's the provision that God would accept. We'll see that word later, the propitiation for his wrath. Isaac is is Abraham's unique son. God doesn't do things by accident. There's a reason for this story number of reasons, but one of the primary ones is this. Without going through the whole story, you know God picked Abraham. Could have been anybody. He picked Abram, changed his name to Abraham, made him a great covenantal promise, three great prongs to that promise. I'm going to make you a land, I'm going to give you a seed, and I'm going to make all the nations of the earth blessed in you. The Bible in uh, Galatians tells us God preached the gospel to Abraham. And so God said to Abraham, you're going to have a son. That son will be the the heir, not an heir, the heir. Through your son, I'm going to bring the Messiah, the seed, promised in Genesis 3.15. Abraham, through Isaac, I'm going to bring that. Abraham was 75 years old when God told him that. 25 years go by. You know the story. And Abraham... In his flesh, he decides 
that God has forgotten or God's asleep or God needs a little prompting and a little help. So he offers Ishmael to God, whom he has through his handmaiden, Hagar, not through his wife, Sarah. So at 190, God says, no, I told you Sarah's going to have a child. <clears throat> that child of Sarah will be the heir. So at age 100 and age 90, they have a baby. Impossible from a human perspective. I sure hope you see the picture. Mary had a baby without having sexual relations with a man. That's impossible. That's why the virgin birth is so significant. The hypostatic union, the Holy Spirit came upon her. She was with child. 100% God, 100% man. Pictured here. So Abraham and Sarah, his wife, at 90, has a baby, Isaac. By the way, Isaac in Hebrew means what? Laughter. Because they laughed when God said, you're going to have a baby. So they have Isaac. Isaac is the heir. Your only son, Isaac, whom you love. If you understand anything about the Trinity... Read John 17, that great poignant high priestly prayer of Jesus before he goes to the cross in the upper room as they're leaving the upper room and he's praying. He starts out that prayer talking about the fellowship he and the Father had together before the world was. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit lived in perfect harmony, love, and fellowship. And yet God said, man has a problem, sin, that he cannot atone for. I will send my son to atone for it in his place. And that's why you see Jesus hanging on the cross and saying these words. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he became the sin sacrifice for me, for you, and for humanity. God's plan to send the lamb to die as a substitute. Let's see God's provision. Verse 2 of 22 Genesis. Verse 2. God said to Abraham, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I shall tell you. Again, pictures, symbolism. God doesn't do things accidentally. Where he tells him to go is Mount Moriah, right over here by the Chuck Hutton dealership. You know where it is. I didn't realize until I got into this and really studied it that that's where Abraham offered Isaac. It's kind of cool. I've offered some things there that I wish I'd have gotten back myself. So he says, go over on Mount Moriah. Go to the land I will show you, the land of Moriah. Offer Isaac there as a sacrifice on one of the mountains I will tell you. Where Abraham is offering Isaac in the land of Moriah is the exact spot where Solomon builds the temple. Where all the sacrifices would take place. To this day, we have someone who just got back from Israel. To this day, you go to the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. And I've been there and a number of you have. And you go to the Wailing Wall. It is the western wall of the original temple. Solomon's was destroyed. But it was rebuilt there. It's where the Dome of the Rock is now. It's, it's a big deal to both, both the Muslims and the Christians and the Jews. It's the land they all will die for. You go there to this day. You go to the Wailing Wall, and, and literally you're seeing the spot. That wall is part of the temple that was built called Herod's Temple and all of that. Later on, after Solomon's was 
uh, destroyed Babylon, and they came back, rebuilt that spot. This is where God says, you take Isaac to Moriah. You're going to offer him there as a burnt offering. Second Chronicles 3, the Bible says, Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to his father David at the place that David had prepared on the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. Solomon would build the temple where his father David had bought the spot to do it. David wasn't allowed to build the temple. God said, Solomon is the one that's going to build it. Solomon's temple was built. It was the center of Jerusalem. It's a place where the sacrifice of the lambs on a, on a regular basis. It's where the Holy of Holies, the temple had, had the, the great compartments in the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was, the lid, and on the Day of Atonement only, the high priest would go in and sprinkle the blood, the Shekinah glory of God, the representation, the very presence of God. The Lord says to Abraham, none of this anyone knew at this point except God, his plan to bring the Christmas lamb. You go to Moriah. And you offer him there, the temple forerunner. It's a test of faith. Look at verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey. He took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering. And he rose and he went to the place which God had told him, Moriah. On the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and he saw the place afar off. Test of faith. God said, Abraham... I've given you Isaac. Now let's pause for a moment. How many years have they waited for Isaac? 25 years. Old. They have Isaac. Something impossible God does miraculously, they have Isaac. A few years later, Isaac is now a young man. Probably 20 years later, at least, what does God say to him? Okay, now I want you to take Isaac, whom I promised you, and we went through all that. Now I want you to take Isaac up here and I want you to cut his throat. Because he's going to bleed out as a burnt offering on that sacrifice. You take your son, your only son, whom you love. You take him up on that mountain in Moriah. You build the fire. You slit his throat and you lay him on the fire. Now, let's pause for a minute. How many of us would just say, well, all right, let's go. No, we wouldn't. What would we do? We'd struggle with that, wouldn't we? We'd struggle with that for a couple of reasons. Number one. But God, you said Isaac was the one. I don't understand. Number two, if you're a parent, you're going to cut your child's throat. Would that not be hard? Sure it would. You're getting emotional like I am thinking about it. What's God want from me more than anything else? Jesus put it this way. You're going to follow me? You have to hate your father and mother. Now, what did he mean? I have to be more important to you than anything else. What's God asking Abraham? Do you really love me? Do you really trust me? I want you to notice verse 3. It's so cool. Abraham rose early the next morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men, laid his son, split the wood for the burnt offering, arose and went. He didn't argue with God. What did he do? He obeyed. This is faith. We're going to see later what he believed. This is faith. God, you gave me Isaac. Now you're going to take him back. Okay. Did he understand all of it? Not at this point. 
He had faith what he thought was going to happen. We'll get to that. He obeys. Takes him three days. That'd be a tough three-day trip, wouldn't it? With his son who's with him, with the place God told him. Now notice verse 5. You get there. Abraham said to his young men that were traveling with he and Isaac, you stay here with the donkey. The lad, Isaac, and I will go yonder and worship. And one of my favorite pronouns in the whole Bible. And we will come back to you. Man, I get excited every time I'm just reading it. All right, boys, you hang out here. Uh, Isaac and I are going to go over on this mountain, and we got some business to take care of, and both of us are coming back. Because the last time I checked, we was a plural pronoun. The book of Hebrews says the following. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, Isaac, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. In other words, the heir. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative sense. That's what Abraham believed. I'm an old man, God, old man with a dead body, and God gave me a child. And God said, now I want you to kill that child. But God also said that child was to be the promised heir. So what Abraham believed was, I'm going up on Mount Moriah, I'm going to slaughter my son, and I'm not coming back. Until God brings him back from the dead. That's faith in it. That's what Christmas is about. That we place our faith in God with us because God had a plan to redeem us. Abraham believed with his heart, I'm going to kill my son. But I also know that either God is a liar or he's bringing Isaac back from the dead. Only, only two things he could think of. Logical, correct? If you're a person of faith, I have to do what God said. I have to obey God. And the only thing I can understand is that he's going to bring Isaac back from the dead. Now look at God's provision, verse 6. So he took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. He took the fire in his hand. He took a knife. And the two of them went together. Please don't miss this picture He laid the wood of the offering on Isaac, who carried it to the place of his death. If you don't see Calvary there, you're not paying attention. Who carried Jesus' cross to Calvary? He did. As much as he could, as far as he could. He carried it. God laid the wood to Jesus. Isaac laid the wood on Isaac. He carried the knife, the instrument by which he was going to kill his son. The cross was the instrument by which Jesus was going to die. Carried it to the place where he would die. Isaiah 53, 6, which we'll see in our next lesson. The Bible says, quote, the Lord laid on him, the Messiah, the sin of us all. He laid it on him. Abraham has all the tools to kill his son. Now notice verse 7. This is a killer if you're a parent. Verse 7. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and he said, My father. He said, Here I am, my son. 
And he said, look, we've got the fire, we've got the wood. And here's the question for Christmas. Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? If you're a father at that moment, what are you thinking? Well, for some way, Lord, it could be me. If it could be me, Isaac's asking Daddy, where's the lamb? What are we going to kill for this burnt offering? Where's the blood coming from? What are we going to do? I love verse 8. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. And the two of them went together to the place of sacrifice. And he came to the place of which God had told him. Moriah and Abraham built an altar there, and he placed the wood in order. He tied up, bound Isaac, his son. He laid him on the altar, on the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand, and he took the knife to kill his son. The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the lad, do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. God provides a substitute. Please don't miss this, 13. Abraham lifted his eyes, he looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Abraham went, he took the ram, he offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day. In the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. God provided a substitute for the sin offering. Jesus died as my substitute. The only way Abraham could have any provision for a sacrifice is God had to provide one, and he did. The only way you and I can have our sins paid for is God had to provide a substitute, and he did. And his name was Jesus of Nazareth, who was the Christ child, who was the son of God, the son of man. And the only provision that God accepts is that which he declares worthy. We celebrate Christmas because he is worthy. We worship him because he is worthy. I want you to listen as you hear even some of the songs we were singing today about the lion and the lamb and we're going to tie all of that together before we're done. We're going to start in Genesis today and when we're finished we're going to be in Revelation. And I'm going to do all that in three weeks. Okay, maybe four. But I'm going to do all of it before Christmas. That God so loved me, me and you. And the rest of the world, you think about the Tepewan and all over the world, he loved them so much. He said, you can't pay that debt you owe. I will take your place. My son, my only son, whom I love, I will send in your place. I hope that makes Christmas exciting for you. You think about the lamb, Think about the baby in the manger, the shepherds in the field, and how God had his hand on all of it. He had a plan. Would you bow your heads, please? The Lord, as we pause and close out our time together today,
we thank you that Christmas is your plan, not ours. And yeah, we, as a society, we've taken it and used it. That's okay, Father. Your plan is more significant. That you sent a baby. At the right moment in time in history, you stepped out of heaven. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We're grateful. We're humbled. As we have a Thanksgiving weekend, I pray we can be grateful that you sent the Christmas lamb. We can celebrate Mary's child, the son of God, the son of man, God with us, for, because there was a purpose. Like the pictures you see and the metaphors, and behind the manger was the cross. He came for a reason, to die in my place. Thank you, Father, for loving me, loving us, and allowing us to be part of celebrating Christmas around the Lamb. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand.